Well, good morning, everyone. One week until Christmas. It's really something how quickly time gets by. It's hard to believe we're only a week away from Christmas. And you know, it comes earlier every year. Have you noticed that? I remember when I was a kid, it was, we really didn't have Christmas until after Thanksgiving. And I'm pretty sure that in a year or two, it's going to be bumping up against the 4th of July. And maybe a generation or two down the road, Christmas is going to begin before the previous one ended. I don't know, but they come earlier every year and they seem to come quicker. And you know, there's a number of layers to the holiday season. There's a lot of layers to Christmas. There's the decorations layer. And that is, if decorations are your thing with the holidays, it's a whole thing. And that's really your big thing with Christmas. I, I know of someone who has to rent a trailer every year to go to a storage unit to get the Christmas decorations and bring them to the house because they have so many. And we're not very far off of that in our house, actually, to be honest with you. So there's that layer. Then, of course, there's the kids and the presents layer. That's the layer of the holidays that when you're young, that's really all that matters is Santa Claus coming down the chimney and the socks hung by the chimney with care and the excitement that goes along with that. When I was a kid, that was the layer that I really liked the most probably. But you know, there's also with that a generosity layer to the holidays. And that's the layer that uh, the, the dude that wrote A Christmas Carol, what's his name? Charles Dickens, I guess that's who wrote that. The Christmas Carol story, that captivates the generosity of the holiday season very well. But then, of course, there's also the Christ lair. And the Christ part of Christmas places its focus on the birth narrative of Jesus, and we see a lot of this, too. Snippets from Matthew chapter 1 and, and 2, are, are we see them everywhere. Snippets from Luke make their way into memes and decorations. And, of course, the Luke one we even saw in the Charlie Brown Christmas special. I always thought that was really cool how that's quoted in that cartoon Christmas special. These texts are all worthy of discussion at any season of the year. But when it comes to the introduction of Jesus, I love the Gospel of John. If you've got your Bibles this morning and want to follow along, open them with me to John chapter 1. Now once again, John is unique here as he introduces the Savior because he never discusses the birth of Jesus. He goes way before the birth of Jesus. He goes back to the beginning of the beginning and even before that. And what John articulates here in John chapter 1 is not only beautiful, but it's insightful. And we gain insight on Jesus that we don't gain anywhere else. Look with me at the first five verses here. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. 
All things came into being through him, and apart from him, nothing came into being that has come into being. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it. I want to draw our attention to this concept of Jesus being the light. This is ongoing in John's gospel, and it is always directly connected to life. Every time we see this, the two are interconnected. And so there's something here, and I want to look at that. Let's look at light itself just for a second. Why light? Why is this what John would say and what Jesus would say? Well, light is vital to just about every part of us. According to an article in the Science Explorer, humans need light to stay sane. The sensory deprivation that darkness can cause, it causes us to lose our sense of time and it can cause the strangest, most unimaginable psychological effects. A lack of light has also been proven to directly correlate with negative behavior and even mischief and crime. Statistics show that simply by improving the lighting in a neighborhood, crime will decrease anywhere between 33 and 70 percent in that neighborhood, even on an individual level. Individuals in controlled experiments have proven to be less honest in darkness. The sense of anonymity and the sense of concealment that darkness provides can actually contribute to evil. Darkness has always been associated with evil. As we look back in Scripture, we see this. When John said, the light shines into the darkness, and the darkness did not overcome it, it's an impactful statement about Jesus' power over the wickedness of the cosmos. When John introduces Jesus as the light of the world, this is an identity that later on in the gospel, Jesus is going to take on himself. In John 8 and in John 9, Jesus himself makes the statement, I am the light of the world. So let's fast forward in time for, to right there. We're past John 1. We've moved forward. Jesus is now in his ministry, and he makes this statement. When Jesus makes statements like this, there's always something going on in the background that we don't always necessarily see in the forefront of the text, but what, when we see it in the text, it tells us a lot about why Jesus chose the words and phrases that he did. And so I want to look for a second at some background behind this statement. Jesus declared, I am the light of the world, during the lighting of the great candelabras in the Feast of Tabernacles. That's the Jewish feast that's going on as Jesus makes this statement. And here's what that looked like. On the evening of the first day, 
there was a ceremony called the illumination of the temple. Since they were going to celebrate, they had to light the place up. And so large candelabra with receptacles for oil were placed in the inner court. And this artist depiction them, you can see them just a little bit, they're quite tall. And you'll notice there's ladders going up to these oil receptacles. And the priests had to climb that ladder in order to light that oil. And that had it high enough that it would illuminate the whole place. And after they were lit, the priests and the people danced before the Lord with joy. This was in commemoration of the blessing of the pillar of fire that had led their fathers in the wilderness. So this is what's going on historically in the background. This is what is going on when Jesus said, I am the light of the world. And so when he makes this claim, he is implying that what the pillar of fire was to Israel, leading them through the darkness of the wilderness, he is for the whole world. So he's making a big claim here. To the ignorant and unbelieving, his light brings wisdom and faith. To the persecuted and the downtrodden saint, his light brings comfort and hope. John records Jesus making several of these I am statements, if you will. He says in John also, I am the bread of life. I am the good shepherd. I am the door. I am the way, the truth, and the life, and so on and so forth. Well, behind each of these statements, we can find a human problem to which Jesus is the life-giving solution. So for the rest of our time together this morning, we're going to work with John's writings primarily, and we're going to take a closer look here at Jesus' claim to be the light of the world so that we can more clearly identify our own human shortcoming and understand how Jesus solves it so in turn we can put his life-giving solution to work in our lives. So, the first question we have to answer, if Jesus is light, what's our problem? What do we have for a problem if Jesus is making the claim that he is the light? That's pretty simple. Most of us probably realize this as we read this. The human issue is the darkness of sin. I don't know that we always realize the hopelessness of the state of sin. But sin is the hopeless darkness caused by Satan himself. It is the contamination of the world. Satan has literally driven the world insane with the darkness of sin. And darkness is always associated with that. Look at what Jesus said in John 3, just for an example. And you see here this association of darkness with sin. Pretty familiar with John 3, 16. We know what's going on there, but Jesus is continuing here. He says a lot in this text. We get down to verse 19. He says, this is the judgment that the light has come into the world, and men love the darkness rather than the light, for their deeds were evil. For everyone who does evil hates the light and does not come into the light for fear 
that his deeds will be exposed. So you can see here right away this association of evil and unrighteousness with darkness. The world is insane with the darkness of sin. It is that hopelessness that Satan himself has caused. And over in the book of 1 John, we go over to John's epistles, and he continues this theme. He, 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 he continues this darkness with light comparison as he writes over here. 1 John 1 and verse 5, this is the message we have heard from him and announced to you that God is light, and in him there is no darkness at all. If we say that we have fellowship with him and yet walk in darkness... We lie and do not practice the truth. So there's a clear difference here between light walking and walking in darkness. And if we continue in sin, we continue to walk in darkness. And over in chapter 2, verse 10 and 11 of 1 John, the problem becomes very clear over here. He says, the one who loves his brother abides in the light, and there is no cause for stumbling in him. But the one who hates his brother is in the darkness and walks in the darkness and does not know where he is going because the darkness has blinded his eyes. You see, the darkness of sin has blinded everyone. The human problem is sin, and the whole world is in it. That's the issue. Back in the book of Ephesians, Paul wrote to the Ephesians in 6 and verse 12. Look at what he says about evil. Because this is a bigger deal even than just our own world that we understand. It goes further than that. Ephesians 6 and verse 12. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the powers, against the world forces of this darkness, against the spiritual forces of wickedness in the heavenly places. Satan has driven the world insane with the darkness of sin, and he's continuing to do so. You see, evil is even beyond this world. It is a cosmic problem. And that's what the world itself is ensnared in. But Jesus is the solution to the human problem. While we're in the book of Ephesians, back up to verse 8 of chapter 5, and look at what we find out about followers of Jesus. But you were formerly darkness, but now are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. Jesus is the solution to the darkness problem that we have, and he is the unextinguishable light. John starts his writing by saying that Jesus is the light. He starts that in chapter 1. Jesus makes that claim for himself later. He'll make that claim multiple times. Well, what's kind of interesting about this is this has been repeatedly prophesied. Back in Isaiah chapter 60, Isaiah said, arise and shine for your light has come. And this is a prophecy, prophecy of Jesus. And Jesus even says that. But Isaiah says, 
your light has come and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. For behold, darkness will cover the earth and deep darkness the peoples. But the Lord will rise upon you and his glory will appear upon you. Now go over to chapter or verses 19 and 20. No longer will you have the sun for light by day, nor for brightness will the moon give you light, but you will have the Lord for an everlasting light, and your God for your glory. Your sun will no longer set, nor will your moon wane, for you will have the Lord for an everlasting light. The Jews, especially the Pharisees, would have been abundantly aware of these prophecies. Now Jesus comes along in John 8 and verse 12 and says, I am that light. When he says this, he is saying, I am the Messiah, the light of which Isaiah prophesied. Follow me and you will no longer walk in darkness. You see, Christ is the only means of illuminating this dark, Satan-contaminated world. And even more significant, Satan cannot extinguish the light of Christ. The light of Christ overpowers Satan unconditionally. And this is a huge statement because what Jesus is saying is that he is the solution to the sin problem. He is the destroyer of the ultimate worker of darkness, Satan himself. John said it this way in 1 John 3, 8. He said, the Son of God appeared for this purpose, to destroy the works of the devil. Jesus is our life illuminator, and the darkness of Satan cannot extinguish him. All of the hidden things of our past, all of the horrible things that we have done, they are extinguished by the light of Jesus Christ. <clears throat> now, fundamentally, most of us are aware of this. This is not new information. So the question we have to ask ourselves with a concept like this is, how should we live each day because of this? Knowing that Jesus is our life illuminator, knowing that he has destroyed Satan's power of over darkness, knowing that we are children of light, how should we respond? The unextinguishable light of Jesus causes a transformation to take place in us, and so we have to let it do its thing. For transformation to work, our mindset, our attitude, our mentality, our pride, all of these things have to allow it to work. And so if we want the light of Jesus to penetrate into our lives, there's some things we have to consider. Number one, we have to walk as children of light. John 12, 36, Christians are sons of light or children of light. Jesus says. So the light of Jesus continues to shine through us. We are how the world is going to actually see Jesus. And so as a result, we should look different. We should act different. 
and we should live different. The question is, do we? When we're in the workplace, how does our language compare to our coworkers? Is it any different? When we're faced with a crisis in the world, faced with a problem of some sort that might upset us, how does our anger compare to how the world's anger would respond to something? When we're disagreeing with another person, the way we deal with that person, how does that compare to how someone who doesn't have Christ in their life might deal with that situation? If it doesn't look different, we might have a walking issue that we need to work on. Because walking as children of light means that we look different. And since we're supposed to look different, we must reflect the light. That's number two. We reflect the light of Jesus. John 9 and verse 5, Jesus will say that he is light while he is in the world. Well, Jesus isn't in the world anymore. And so now... We are the ones who keep the world illuminated with the light of Christ. And that challenges us to make sure that our reflection looks like Jesus. This is simply discipleship put into practice. Our lives must reflect Jesus, not us. Our stubborn will has to yield to the will of Jesus. Not an easy thing to do. I don't know about any of the rest of you, but my will doesn't yield very well. I tend to want to do things my way, and I know I am not the only person that's that way. This is a growth process. It is something that we have to work on because we will never be perfect at this. But it is a growth process as we walk in the light. And there's the third one. First John chapter 1 and verse 7, John would write it this way. He says, if we walk in the light as he himself is in the light, we have fellowship one with another. That's vertical fellowship between us and the Lord. We have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus cleanses us from all sin. That is amazing. When we really break that verse down and think about it, that is amazing. If we're walking with Jesus, his blood is continuing to cleanse our imperfections. You see, Jesus is our life illuminator, and in his light, it's not about us. It's about him because he is guiding and leading. And when he is guiding and leading, Satan remains powerless against us. Well, yeah, but Matt, am I walking in the light good enough? That's the question I used to ask all the time. Well, yeah, but how do I know if I'm really walking in the light? I could have tried a lot harder, and I'm just not sure if I'm walking enough in the light. I just don't know if I've got enough there. Well, guess what? You don't. If you did, you didn't need Jesus to do this for you. Little example about walking in the light, hopefully that helps us understand this a little bit better. 
Because that is a question we ask ourselves, well, am I really trying hard enough? How many of you have ever pulled a trailer with a pickup or a car or whatever? A lot of people probably have. If you've not ever pulled a trailer, you've certainly seen a trailer being pulled. Well, when you hook a trailer up to that vehicle, where that vehicle goes, the trailer's going. That trailer might swerve, it might blow a tire, but the trailer is still going with the pickup. It might lose a wheel, the trailer's still going. If we have to pull over on the side of the road and, and work on it and get, and, and get the tire back on it, as long as that trailer is hooked to the vehicle, it's going where the vehicle is going. Until that thing comes unhooked, it's going with you. That's like we are with Jesus when we're walking in the light. Are you hooked to Jesus? As long as you stay hooked to Jesus, you're going with him. Now you see, here's the deal. In our trailer of life, we have the power to release the hook if we choose to do so. Then we step out of the light, but it's up to us. As long as we stay with Jesus, Satan is powerless against us. We just have to stick with him. We're going to lose tires. We're going to swerve. That's what our life does. But as long as we're hooked to him, he has us. And Satan cannot extinguish the light of Christ. How is your walk this morning? When people see you, do they see the light of the world shining through you? The world still has a darkness problem. That has not gone away, but Jesus can take care of that. And he's going to do that through you as people see you walking and reflecting his light. So here's the challenge this week. Engage in just one thing with the conscious purpose of allowing the light of Jesus Christ to be reflected through you. This holiday season affords us more opportunities for this than normal because of where people's minds are. There's opportunities for generosity. There's opportunities for all kinds of things. So we can take an opportunity somewhere within that to just reflect the light for just that purpose. Imagine the difference that we can make in the world if all of us just resolve to do one thing. The difference is unimaginable. If you're struggling with that this morning, if, if your walk needs help, if we need to pull over and change a tire, we're here. For that the ministers of this church and the elders want to help you and that's why we have a time of invitation it's a time for you to make those wishes known the prayers of you are strong but the prayers of this entire group are unimaginably strong perhaps you've never begun that relationship with Jesus you're still walking in darkness well, we can identify how to take care of that also in John's writings Jesus is also the way, the truth, and the life. And the way to the Father is through him. That happens when we're born again, according to John 3 and verse 5. 
When we are born again in the waters of baptism, we come in contact with the light of Christ. Satan is then powerless against us unless we want to go back. Whatever your need may be this morning, we don't leave here without letting us help you. Won't you come, whatever it may be, as we stand and as we sing.